No, you got to save some of that for the brain. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we I'm need some, some in the brain it. to be able to speak about games. Some of it for this coconut porter here. There you go. Oh, ew. <laughs> oh, come on. Coconut porters are good. I don't like coconut. Okay, that's fair. I like porters. You know, yeah. I don't like I don't like coconut, but I like coconut milk. I love coconut and I love coconut milk and I love coconut porters. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I've had a coconut porter to be honest. They're good. You're about to find out. Yeah. It's from uh City Lights Brewing, brewed in Milwaukee. Okay. There's no, there's no coconuts in Milwaukee. Yeah, this is the freshest <laughs> coconut porter on the planet right here. That's true. Ooh, that is delicious. Damn, I'm telling you. Oh my god. That's what I'm saying, man. DJ, take yeah, a Yeah, make sip DJ of that. try the coconut porter. You're gonna be a coconut connoisseur <laughs> <laughs> shortly here. Holy shit, that is good. Yeah. Who needs the ice cream? It, it's like the creamiest. Yeah. Man. Are you into that or is it? Uh, that is very good. That is like un. It's not because of the coconut. No, that's pretty coconutty. I think, I think coconut has changed. <laughs> no, <laughs> coconut has evolved over time. Hey everybody, welcome to Pursuing Pixels. This is episode number 22, and my name's Kevin Portelli, and I'm here tonight with our hosts, Randall Nolery. Hey everybody. And DJ Mandolini. Hello, hello. And how are you two doing tonight? Wonderful. Great, I just <laughs> had a sip of a coconut porter, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're a coconut fan. How'd it go? It was lovely. There you go. It's pretty tasty. It's pretty tasty I hate here. to admit it, but... <laughs> oh man, well... We're not here to talk about beer, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> what are we here to talk about? <laughs> we're here to talk about uh, some video games, per usual. Okay. And uh, today we're going to talk about yet another new video game. I don't know what our problem is lately that we're playing some games that are are relatively relevant. It's strange, but, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> I guess uh, knowing us, we can't uh, can't help ourselves when a new Nintendo game comes out. At least That's Randall and it. I, especially. I yep. can help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't even, I was a little bit, you know, I scoff. We've been playing The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I'm not sure if I said that yet, but, uh, you know, I scoffed a little bit at that $60 price tag. I'm like, this is a remake of a Game Boy Color game or right. even a ga- original Game Boy game, actually. Both. Um, yeah, and then and then remade or updated or whatever Game Boy Color. But, like, yep. they really, other than, like, this, you know, you can unlock dungeon rooms and shuffle them around and there's some kind of, like, build your own dungeon mode. Yep. Um, not to the extent of Mario Maker or anything like that. No. That's really all they've added to this game other than a, a new coat of paint. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed that they were asking for a $60 price tag when, when to be honest, it wouldn't be surprising if this was maybe something that was originally intended to be released for 3DS. And then they were like, eh, that's kind of going by the wayside. Let's let's shift gears on this project. And right. I, I have no idea if that's the case. but Or intended you know, if, to just be eShop only download or something. Yeah. Right, right. So just to, to know that this was like a full $60 retail game uh, 
was a little bit off-putting, but sure enough, you know, I ran an errand and I was at Target and picking up some groceries <laughs> or whatever I was getting, and I happened to be the day that that game came out, and mm-hmm. I saw it on the shelf, and sure enough, I'm like, I can't, I can't go home without the new Zelda game. So <laughs> I picked it up, and I've actually played a lot more of it than I expected. I just kind of, I've been, uh, some of my time has been sucked up into some other games that we'll get to later, um, but I ended up, you know, playing through the first like three dungeons or so, nice. you know, three and a half dungeons. I'm like just getting up to where I'm, you know, getting ready to enter or equip all or, you know, do the little puzzles and whatnot that I need to do to get into the fourth dungeon. Um, and I'm, I'm having a good time so far. It's definitely a super charming like, you know, it's got that kind of toy box art style. If yeah. you've seen it like that almost link looks like almost like a little pop figurine. Yeah, it's like a, or, almost like a diorama or something. I'm not sure how to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything has this like almost like it's shiny and it yeah. almost looks like it's like plastic. You know, yeah. it, it definitely is made to look as if you're playing with toys almost. Yep. Um. And it looks great, you know, it, it does. in in some ways. I, I am a little bit, I will say, I wish there was something, uh, not, you know, one of the things that has come up uh, is like there's there has been some frame rate issues with oh, the game. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I think we've even talked about in this podcast before, not being something that really bothers us that much. But, I mean, it is like constant almost yeah. maybe not constant but it's it's pretty frequent especially for a first party nintendo game it is surprising uh, that way because typically they're so good at optimizing their game especially the first party stuff to, to have yeah. it chug like it does from the get-go is like ooh. yeah and we were talking about it earlier like especially for something like breath of the wild right that can run all these crazy overlapping systems and it's a great looking game and you know different in in many ways but a great looking game and so much more going on with like what i would imagine at least you know what what's demanded from the the system yeah it's memory and whatnot i it's just kind of surprising and you just don't see this too much from nintendo titles and they got that running on wii u let alone switch <laughs> right right i didn't even think about yeah. that but yeah and maybe well maybe that's part of the part of yeah. the deal you know maybe they're just kind of overclocking it here a little bit but right um but yeah, just a little bit disappointed. I mean, for the most part, it still plays like you. It's not bothering me to the point where like I want to turn it off or anything. But it's but it's definitely noticeable to where I'm like at, at first I was like, oh, is there maybe a setting I can change or is something yep. something wrong or, you know, but after a while I was like, I guess this is just how it is. It's kind of like when you when you can tell you're kind of moving into a new area of the map, like it's all made to be all seamless like everything just kind of transitions screen to screen, but all in one movement. But right. you can clearly tell when it's like loading some new stuff in. Um, you know, it's not popping in or anything, but you can just, yeah, you can feel it chug, like you said. Yep. Um, and I also, uh, I, I kind of started getting at this and then I got sidetracked with the with the chugging frame rate, but there's also like this like filter on the top and the bottom of the screen that keeps things kind of like blurry. Yeah. A little bit. And it's like a really like at least on the bottom of the screen, it's like a really hard line from where it's like this is where it's blurry and this is where it's not blurry. It's not like a smoothed like roll into the clear. Right. The clarity. And it's supposed to give it, I guess, this like kind of like dreamlike quality or this like toy box diorama style but just something about that like hard line is like i know i notice it all the time yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look seamless it, no it's it's kind of harsh and maybe that's what they wanted to do or needed to do because i'm i'm pretty sure the original Link's awakening like the other old school top-down zeldas is more like screen by screen where you're moving through it's not just like one seamless whole world that way 
So right, right. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's what they had to do to allow for that kind of loading in or it to be smooth <laughs> scrolling. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's certainly a possibility, yeah. but uh, a little bit of a bummer because it just kind of it, it just it just looks a little unfinished, I guess. And I don't want to say that because everything else about the game looks great. You know, all the all the details and and everything, you know, is just so like it's almost like you don't even see a polygon in sight. I mean, everything is so smooth, like something that's supposed to be round is like a perfect sphere. You know, I mean, it right. really looks like. And something like the way they're using those lighting effects and like the way they have that like plastic shine to them. Yep. It's like it, it's it's a really interesting look and I'm I'm really charmed by it. Um, but it just it, it does also as charming as it is, it, it does have a little bit of like an uninspired quality to it as well. Like, you know, every tree does just look exactly the same. And I mean, I guess that's how it is in the 2D games, yeah. too. Yeah. But it but it is a little in 3D. It's just a little more noticeable, I guess, that it's just like, yeah, this is just like one the same asset used over and over and over again. I guess that's true when it's when it's 2D old school sprites and you're just seeing the same assets. That's just like, oh, we reuse the tile set because we had this much memory to use and that's no longer a constraint when you have a modern switch release that can be practically as big as you want um right and there's no like effects like you know the trees aren't like blowing in the wind right. or anything like that it's just pretty static you know and again it, it does lend to that like toy like feel yeah but for me i guess it, it's just a stylistic choice that that works in some areas for me and then in other areas for the world at least itself it kind of kind of makes it feel a little shallow, I guess. What I will say is this technically wasn't developed by Nintendo. It was developed by Grezzo, which Interesting. previously had done a lot of uh, more more of a kind of porting work for Nintendo. They did like uh, the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask ports to 3DS. They've primarily all, it's been almost entirely 3DS ports that they've done up to this point. Besides, uh, they, they made that game Ever Oasis, but Besides that, it's been like porting the Zelda games to 3DS and, uh, you know, porting Luigi's Mansion to 3DS. This was kind of one of their first big projects that wasn't just a port necessarily, even though it is a remake of an older game. Yeah, and, and it is, I will say it's impressive in, in I, again, I'm kind of mixed on this too, and apparently that's just my MO. I'm just mixed on everything, but like, <laughs> it's it's impressive in the sense that like, again, this is a game that's like, I think like 25 or 23, 28 years old or something. I mean, there's, again, we're talking about like a game, 93. Game Boy title, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a pretty old game here, and they essentially, other than the visuals, like we said, they really have not updated the actual like level design or dungeon design or anything like that. I mean, from what I understand is like to a T the same game definitely feels like it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, I played a little, my brother had this game growing up and I played a little bit of it, not a ton, but definitely like the opening sequence was like, Oh man. Yeah. I remember this exactly. Yeah. And, uh, it's pretty impressive, but it's also like that, that it holds up so well, but, but it, well that, but it also is like, it's a little unintuitive, you know, like going back and playing these games now, like, you know, we've talked about Blossom Tales on the podcast, uh, you know, back on like episode seven or eight or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, that's like the the way that game and I didn't even play through much of it, but the way that game just kind of streamlined things and oh, I never yeah. felt lost. I mean, I've, I've already had to look up 
walkthroughs three or four times just because I'm like, where the hell am I supposed to go? Like, I definitely got close to that very early on and I managed to figure it out. But I was like, ooh, that's I just, yeah, I just had a couple times where I was like, OK, I've played for about a half an hour and I've accomplished nothing. I've yeah. just wandered around trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. And I'm like, I'm not having fun. I'm just going to look up. And, and I just like as soon as I see like the first little nugget of information of like, oh, oh, OK, that's what I missed. I just closed the walkout like I don't want to see how to do it. Right. But I just want to see like I just want to make sure I'm on the right track instead of wasting more and more and more time. But I, I really, truly have had to do that like three or four times now already. Um, There's only so long you can sit there cutting down brush for for coin. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And there's, you know, there, these are like a little bit more like unlike Breath of the Wild, you know, where you're able to kind of poke and prod at the game systems and whatnot. This is like, again, back to the more traditional top down Zelda style where like everything is like, you need to blow up this wall and get into this hidden area and get this specific item and, and whatnot. So it has elements of it. So I'm like impressed at how well it holds up for being an old Game Boy game and not really having to be changed and still hold up as a solid, you know, top down 2d Zelda game. Right. But at the same time, I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit. I'm feeling like some of these top-down old Zelda games are are really resting on nostalgia, and, and some of these other games are, you know, like Blossom Tales, and I'm sure there's many others, but are kind of carrying that torch and really kind of streamlining that inspir- experience into something that at least that I prefer. Yeah. Over you know what it's inspired by. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think the the modern touches of something like Blossom Tales, you know, the, it makes all the difference. Uh, to to get into these games the accessibility aspect of you know it's almost hard to even quantify all those little changes that you know the the modern touches that make all the difference but just stuff not feeling obtuse as far as what you need to do next without hitting you over the head that's like a there's there's always a balance there right and i think games like blossom tales just do a great job just keeping your momentum moving forward Exactly. I never felt like, again, I didn't get as far as you two did, but like, I'd never felt like I lost my momentum right. with Blossom Tales where this, like, I, f- yeah, I just felt like I was getting stumped yep. left and right. Do you think, uh, one could argue, and, and I am not arguing this, but, uh, <laughs> do you think one could argue that, you know, there is a puzzle element to those seemingly obtuse pieces that they're, they're kind of like, but I guess they're kind of like, get it. You're supposed to get at these hints from talking to characters in the town that yeah, like give you these vague hints of like where you're supposed to go. Like one of the, one of the missions is like similar to like an Ocarina of time, how you can get that like ultra master sword or whatever. We can like trade a bunch of items to get this last thing. Like there's like this regular main quest, but like how are you supposed to know that like you have to get this ribbon and then you have to give it to a chain chomp right. who then gives you some dog food and then you have oh, to take the dog food <laughs> to the alligator who <laughs> wants canned food and then he gives you bananas and that's how you unlock the next area because you give a, a monkey some bananas who builds a bridge for you right and then leaves you a stick for some reason that i said st- oh yeah and then you get a honeycomb with the stick it's just like it's a, what the hell is going on i don't understand any of this and and for what it's worth to be fair i do know that this game was heavily heavily influenced the the creators and the designers were really influenced by twin peaks uh, yeah the TV show yeah so it, it is supposed to be like i know they were like we want to have this town of like we didn't you know we didn't set the game in high rule and it's all these kind of quirky zany characters with their you know but it but it just 
it it works for the characters, but it doesn't work for like what the hell am I supposed to do? You know, it's a, there's not a lot of connective tissue to like, um, yeah, they you know they do have these little like phone huts that you can go into that give you pretty direct hints like based on what you're doing at the moment. Sometimes, but I still I still was like <laughs> having a hard time finding out. Like I it kept telling me I had to find these feathers around the castle, but I'm like I can't even get near that castle. I right. don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. So you know I eventually had to look up how to get over there, and then of course when I figured it out, I'm like oh god, how did I not see this? But but uh, that but always makes you feel like crap when you go yeah. through that process. And, and I guess that's part of the, what we're talking about, you know, like when I was playing Blossom Tales, not to keep drawing the comparisons, but they're I guess they're just kind of inevitable. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you're just I never felt that feeling, you know, and, and they did do some things with this Link's Awakening where, you know, you they did. You have a couple extra buttons and they still make you you have your two main items that you have to pause the game to to swap between those. But you do have your shield and then the Pegasus boots, which are like your dash attack or whatever. Yeah, um, they do have those mapped to the shoulder buttons. So it does. I believe in the Game Boy game, you would have had to keep pausing to swap between those constantly. Yeah, you would think so. Because this game also does incorporate jumping more than any other Zelda game, at least. Yeah. Uh, other than Breath of the Wild, obviously. But like or Zelda, or at too. least I was going to say, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, at least as far as these like top down Zelda games right. go, I mean, there are some there are some small side scrolling segments when you go like underground every now and then. But for the most part, you know, there there are some times like almost like Star Tropics or something where you have to like jump over these gaps and jump over these tiles and even do like running jumps over long gaps. So there's there's some different stuff mixed up into the Zelda formula. Even Goombas. It's just like yeah. weird. <laughs> and Chain Chomps, like we said, like a bunch of you get like a Yoshi doll yeah. at one point, like a bunch of Mario crossover. And again, just lending to that weird like, where am I? This, this <laughs> certainly is not Hyrule. But um yeah i i guess uh just overall a, a little bit disappointed even though i am i i certainly am am sucked into the charm and i'm liking yeah. again for like a lazy like saturday morning it's it's the perfect game to kind of put on oh, and yeah. just kind of breeze through until i get stumped but you know I, i've just kind of resigned myself to like i guess i'll you know if i really am that stumped i'm just gonna look up the walkthrough because i am enjoying being in this world um and i am hoping that they you know i'm, I'm guessing there's been a lot of of press or coverage on the frame rate issues and stuff so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking nintendo's gonna get on there and do something to try to patch it if they're if it's possible but you know we'll we'll see how that shakes out yeah there's even some stuff online about oh installing it on the the switch's internal memory versus an sd card but i think that only applies to the downloaded version not necessarily the cartridge version which we're correct with, so yeah yeah i read that as well yeah that the like installing it on an sd card it technically runs a little bit smoother right so and i you know maybe we're just picking at this because i mean it's zelda it's held to the highest standard in video games you know just having that name in the title um and i am still excited to keep playing through it but yeah there there's there's some issues so and and i i guess again too with that 60 dollar price tag like i get i echo all the sentiments that you were just sharing but also like with that full price game it's like i expect this to be yeah you know not per like i'm a i'm for i'm a forgiving person <laughs> you know it doesn't have to be without issues but i just like something as simple as that for a game that doesn't seem to be pushing the you know switch through its paces you wouldn't you know, think yeah you wouldn't think yeah i mean it, it is a great looking game but yeah i don't want to diminish that at all but but it just doesn't seem to be that demanding as far as other things i've seen run on the switch right you know? like breath of the wild <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> 
All right. Well, from one game that chugs a little bit here and there to another, and I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to toss that out as a huge slight here. But every time this game auto saves, it just chugs for a good uh, two or three seconds between each day. Oh boy! But uh, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before. We talked, DJ and I talked about Kingdom New Lands, and uh, we ended up picking up. It was on sale recently for a little. That was only like five bucks off. But Kingdom Two Crowns, which is a sequel of sorts to the game, but it also is kind of like a almost like an expansion more than it is a sequel but it does add two player co-op which is the main reason we were just kind of hanging out one day and we we're like ah it's on sale and we we're having a ton of fun playing Kingdom New Lands already why don't we see what this is all about like even if we just play it today like if we half and half 50-50 that's worth it already so uh so we ended up playing a bunch of that but uh it has some other new features like one of the one of the main features is it has like a Shogun skin or like a uh, like Feudal Japan uh, samurai kind of skin that you can pick. And it does change the game a little bit. Like it changes like one of the characters you can get uh, that's like a character that holds like a spear or a pike. Now will be like a ninja that will like hide out in the trees at, in the evening or in the, in the during the night cycle and kind of like sneak out and like kill enemies on the sly instead of like standing behind the wall and just kind of jabbing them. Um, so it has that and then like the trees that you kind of have to clear out and run out and again, I guess we should kind of set this up just in case, uh, obviously probably most people haven't listened to our previous episode talking about kingdom new lands, but it's like a side scrolling strategy game. That's I guess like resource slash time management more than anything. Yeah, You're kind it's of like wave survival. Yeah. It's all in a little bit of tower defense right. used in there as well. And really beautiful pixel art, really beautiful music. Um, and this uh, Two Crowns is no exception, really similar in style other than like, you know, those different like Shogun elements and stuff that are have some different graphical flares. And like you're you're chopping down these like bamboo trees and stuff instead of your typical just like whatever the regular forests and stuff look like. But you're clearing out, uh, you know, trees to build up walls or to build up, you know, you you recruit people to, you know, have them become archers or uh, builders to help build your walls and stuff like that. And, and basically, uh, I have sunk about 25 to 30 hours into this game over the past week or two and just cannot stop playing it. I mean, I've probably been more hooked on this than, than anything I have played lately. And it just, I just keep coming back and the the few of the ways that this game changes and, and in my opinion, improves on new lands a little bit, new lands is a little bit more of like a, a roguelike setup where like you're kind of starting from scratch every time and it's all a little bit procedurally generated. And this one is a little bit as well, but you're, you're starting the camp. It is a campaign and you have these five islands and you can travel between them. And if you die, you do start back at the beginning, but you kind of are left with like the foundations that you left behind on each Island. So you're able to kind of go back like any of the trees you've cleared out, stay cleared out. That's cool. Or any of the, uh, the one thing that they add is like some of the unlockables, you actually have to get gems or diamonds to spend on them instead of just coins. In the first game, it's all coins. That's all you get. Everything costs either one coin or some some number of coins to upgrade or to build or to recruit or to, you know, make bows or hammers for your your people to use or what, whatever it might be. It's just that's your only resource. Now you have some gems that will let you unlock different like horses or different mounts that you can ride Okay. or different uh, like helpers that you can get that will like let you upgrade your farm to a, a farm that can have a stable so you can keep an extra mount over there or you can upgrade your wall to like a 
uh, wall that has like a horn on it so you can call your uh, like troops that you have on the other side of the map over to this side of the map or all, all kinds of different upgrades. But they do let you then carry those upgrades over. So even after you've died or have to start over the campaign, you anything that you've unlocked, you you still have to like respend the coins on them. But you don't have to like restart over and like some of the things like you can upgrade, you get these shrines and you can upgrade your either like your the builders or the farmers or the archers. But in the first game, it would just be like you would have to spend coins each day to level up and let them stay upgraded for that day Mm -hmm. where this is like just a permanent you spend. maybe I think it's a little more expensive, but you spend that coin and then those that like your archers are upgraded for that entire campaign until you die. That's sweet. So there's, there's a little more carryover and a little more strategy almost. Cause you're able to, you know, if you're able to build up a strong enough, like empire on each Island, you're able to take a lot of people over from one Island to the next. And this game also has like, once you clear out some of the islands, you're able to like, if you clear off the dock side of the Island, there's always a dock and then like a mountain face side. And the dock side is like if you clear that off, now you can like build a lighthouse and and maybe you could do that in the first game. Maybe we just never figured that out, but I don't think so. And like this allows you to then like we were able to finally just try this DJ and I and we were able to travel from one island to the other and like keep our boat intact. And usually you have to like get you get to the island and you crash and then you have to like rebuild the boat to leave to go to the next island and that was kind of the whole concept in in kingdom new lands and i think there's probably more going on there but this is like you have to essentially defeat these islands and like recapture the kingdom and i guess i've been talking for a minute here so dj why don't you share some impressions on like some of the co-op that we've played uh well with the co-op it's interesting because you know it's nice that each person can take one side of the map because like they are big levels and it does take a while to get from one side to the other. So it is nice to be able to, you know, split that in two. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm always, you know, wondering like, Oh, is this like proper difficulty or not? Like, you know, like should, should I even have this advantage? Um, Does it feel like the game scales in difficulty when there's two people? Well, Kevin, you could speak more to that because you played the single player for this. So I, I would have said no, for sure until we played today and like those some of those waves of enemies we were getting but we were like we were destroying some of these enemy portals which then send more waves <laughs> yeah. coming but like we, i was seeing enemies that i had not even seen in the game ah. up to this point in time and again i've played like 25 30 hours of solo time interesting on this game so like on multiple campaigns like i've tried playing some of the shogun stuff i eventually like the only real difference gameplay wise, like you do have the ninjas and that does make a little bit of a difference, but it's mostly just that those like those bamboo forests are so much thicker, like there's just more trees there. So you just have to spend way more time carving out the land. And it, it just was like a slightly more tedious version of the game. And even though I did like the the different some of the different graphical flares and some of the different just artistic design in that uh, theme, um, it just like it added an enough of a difference where I ended up going back to the, just the original skin. Um, although I am excited to see, it seems like they're looking at potentially adding more different skins that will also add a couple slight gameplay tweaks. Oh, and they cool. have added some free, uh, challenge Island DLCs that nice. like 
have I, I forget what even in, is entailed in that, but it's just like there's definitely some new challenge islands that were just added like within the last like couple weeks. Nice. Um, so curious to see what they have in store for this game. And this is another game from published by Raw Fury, which is kind of a little bit of an unsung uh, publisher of indie titles. You know, you hear a lot about, uh, you know, Devolver Digital and stuff like that. And right. Raw Fury is just pretty, pretty consistent. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, we've talked about Bad North a ton on this podcast and they've put that out as well. And uh, I think they put out Steradin. They've they've just really consistent track record of really solid, good indie games. Yep. Goner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dandara. I forgot they did that, too. Yeah. Yep. Dandara. Yeah. They're they're they got a really solid track record. Yep. Um, But yeah, just something about like, again, like I, you, I can't understate how much like the music and the the pixel art and just the setting and vibe of this game they really lures. Yeah, I mean, it just lures you in. And and actually, I should talk about this because <laughs> on two of the campaigns I was playing, I actually like because it's so chill and like you're just like playing. And I was like listening to a podcast and and just like playing. And I was paying attention. I w- I didn't even fall asleep, but I just kind of like dozed off and like ended up dying and losing my campaign like oh, no. I, had, I had want i'd like fallen asleep and like had my thumb i must have had my thumb like on the joystick and walked outside of the walls of my kingdom <laughs> and just got the crown stolen i actually had that happen to me twice oh, no. <laughs> so i guess that's just super embarrassing on my end but shows how addicted was, you were it, it, well, how addicted I am and how addicted I still am that I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just going to keep playing. I mean, I did catch myself last night. It was it just happened to me last night. And it I like woke up to the sound of like me dying. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I tried to like close out the game real quick. And I was too late. It had already auto saved. It had already chugged itself to a nice auto save. <laughs> so I, a little bit, a little bit disappointing on that front. Um, but. Even still, like I said, even with those frustrations, I'm still just again and again and again. And now that we're seeing like so one of the new features is like you can actually the the portal that's on like the mountainside in this game is like you can actually build a bomb now if you upgrade your castle to like the main or like the highest level or at least the highest level we've got it to thus far. And then you can build a bomb and actually go into the portal with like your knights and archers and and a couple of the builders bring this bomb and you have to like beat a couple more like waves of enemies and take it like right to like the heart of the inside this portal and blow it up. Jeez. And then you actually like secure the island. And I don't believe that was something that was in the original game, um, at least nothing that we saw. Um, so it, it definitely does add quite a bit of new features. And again, all that all that element of like how the campaign allows you to carry things yeah. over from island to island really makes it feel like a more feels more like a, a world. Yeah, a more, I think the yeah, persistent like a li- stuff sounds really appealing to me. Yeah, but it's still only persistent, like not per run, but it's like you you do still need to invest in it each time, and and it does give you a purpose to like go back from island to island to island. Right. Like maybe you right. want to go back because like you didn't have any diamonds or gems to unlock the. Like there's one character that's like a chef or something that you can unlock that then you can upgrade in the grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we thought we thought it was like this granny with pink hair. And then I was like, at one point they take off the hat and I was like, oh, it's a chef. (laughs) It's like a chef hat. That makes sense because they they build like a little uh, they turn one of your archer towers, ironically enough, into like a 
bakery. And oh, that's funny. You can bake bread, but then now instead of having to travel, like again, DJ was saying, the maps can be pretty huge, and sometimes you have to travel pretty far to get to these little camps where you can recruit uh, people that are just kind of camped out at these little tents in the woods. Um, you can build this oven and then they just smell the bread and they're like, we got to come, we got to get what granny's cooking. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it's kind of nice. You can kind of then at that point, forget about, you know, you've invested some coins in it, but you can kind of forget about going to recruit people and just focus on building up your kingdom, which is pretty nice. That's cool. And that was, was that something, cause that was something that I never came across in kingdom new lands. I don't know if I got far enough, but you said there were some of these characters in that oh, game, yeah. right? Oh yeah. They, and, they just have even more now. Yeah. And same thing with the mounts. Like, I guess I had never even noticed that either, but there's a bunch, you know, I think we've found like the, there was one like kind of elk or deer of some kind that with like, that the, you elk, can, the elk is in new lands. Yes. Okay. Um, and like the war horse you can find, but yeah, again, they add a lot new ones. Yeah, yeah, there's like this winged, like, horse kind of griffin-looking thing. And there's like a, like a dragon that can, like, breathe some fire on the ground. So you can actually, like, do a some bear. things that can, like, defend. Yeah, bear that can, like, stomp enemies. Um, so there, there's some different, like, slight tweaks. But again, there's, like, almost no text in this game. You know, it's all experimentation, trial and error until you figure out how the mechanics kind of work and how the systems play off one another. And it's all, yeah, figuring out how best to tackle those challenges and like, okay, that strategy didn't work for me so much this time. Let me try building the walls a little tighter in. I'm only trying not spreading out so fast, so thin, um, you know, so quickly. Right. And maybe just tower defensey. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's there. There's definitely some strategy involved, and definitely some like, okay, I can. I need to level this wall up, but like, do I have enough time before nightfall before this wave of enemies comes? And there's just like a really nice balance of, like, letting you feel that tension, but while still feeling like a leisurely, like, lackadaisical game, which yeah. I really appreciate. That sounds I mean, great. With new, with new lands, like you know, I I felt myself super hooked on that game too, and play hours on end you know even if i was you know losing but you know losing was very daunting the thought of you know having to go back from square one and you know the fact that you don't have to do that in two crowns is like even more reason to just stay hooked like kevin apparently is yeah um like all i have to do is like my castle still leveled up all i have to do is like kind of rebuild some of my walls which are still not half built but like you only have to spend a fraction of the coins and they'll build it to like the wall that you had already built so you don't have to keep leveling up from square one to two to three to four you know you can just start right from level four if that's where you were at nice. yeah because you know trying to like redo some of that stuff it, it's not hard it's just tedious so right it's, it's good that that's just streamlined yeah, and all like we said, all the trees you cleared out or farmhouses you built and stuff, that all stays. So and there's there's that's all different ways to just bring in either bring in money or to kill enemies. You really have to decide. Like I need more archers to kill enemies, but now that they're paired up with these knights who can attack enemies but they don't hunt anymore, um, you know, now I need more archers so I can find people to hunt to bring in more coins. So it's 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 just a really immersive game that I don't see myself stopping until I clear all five of these goddamn islands <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully more to come. Cause I'm, I'm curious to check out some of these challenge islands too. That sounds like a great gameplay loop. 
That's it's awesome. great. And and for what it's worth, the co-op play is just drop in, drop out as well. Nice. So like I can be playing, oh, DJ's here. Okay, cool. cool. Just join in the game with me. And I it does that. remember like exactly the mount that he was like if he was playing last time riding the dragon uh, or the lizard thing that breathes fire. Then like when he jumps in, he'll be riding that thing again. And That's so uh, cool. I think even with the same amount of coins you had last time, like it seemed like you jumped Probably, in yeah. and you had the same coins from when we were playing before. Uh, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, but then again, I can continue. It's not like, oh, that's a two player file now. Like if I wanted to continue on or like, oh, shit, we died. Like there was one point where we didn't end up doing this, but like we had died and we were like, oh, maybe we won't play this again. And I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe I'll just like get us back to where we were and then we can just pick up where we left off. And we ended up just starting over. But right. Um, but just nice to know that you can just like, oh, but, you know. I can I it just nice to know, oh, I'm sick of playing. I'm going to drop out, but you can keep playing if you want. Yeah. I like how uh, they 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 really change up like, you know, the the dying mechanic, I guess, a bit like so with co-op, uh, one player can lose their crown. They'll still be alive, but they can't interact with the world at all. Like they can't pay for anything. So they're essentially worthless. And the other character has to like pay for them to get their crown back so the okay. i don't know it's, uh, it's a nice touch yeah we yeah. were sitting there i was like i can't do anything i can't chop down these trees like uh, it was and they driving don't, they me don't nuts. tell you anything with text hardly so we were like is this game bugged like what's yeah. going on here <laughs> yeah and especially because there were like those slight differences between new lands and two crowns we're like right. what's supposed to be different what's just not working right like one of the things like on the first island, the ship just kind of auto builds itself, like for the most part, like you just have to put the initial investment in it. Whereas in New Lands, you have to keep like spending two coins on piece of wood after piece of wood. Oh. Um, and this does get to that eventually. But on, a, on the first island, they kind of give you that curve of like, OK, you don't have to hunker down on this island. You can kind of get there, get out, get some of the other upgrades on the other islands. And then once you've kind of buffed up, maybe you can come back here. Maybe you can go to, you know, keep pushing on, but either way it gives you some options. Right. Yeah. We definitely mistook some things as bugs just based on our new lands experience, but no, this game is bug free. (laughs) Zero (laughs) bugs. Bug free. And another game that at least for me gets that PP stamp of approval. I just, I love, love this game. That's awesome. I need to pick this up big time. You do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, from uh, I think from one love fest to another, Randall, I, I know you've uh, gotten played some more Chasm uh, over the past couple weeks. And uh, yeah. I know we both were pretty into that game when we talked about it a couple weeks back. But uh, yeah, how have you been feeling uh, continuing on? Another game that got the stamp of approval back in episode 19, <laughs> hence the title of that episode. Yes, uh, indeed. Thanks to Chasm. Uh, and <laughs> when we recorded that, I that was just super sucked into it. And I'd, I'd probably played about 75% of the way through it already in a very short amount of time. And yeah, so now I've seen it through. I've completed Chasm and Chasm still is a great game worthy of that uh, Pursuing Pixels stamp of approval. Um, I will say, uh, towards the end, I felt like, uh, you, you, they probably could have cut it even sooner than they did. It almost had uh, a little bit more content than I needed, 
but uh, that's that seems like uh, a nitpick <laughs> where right. other people might have been happy to have more content there where I was like, all right, I've, I've seen what this game is and I'm very happy with it. But uh, that's not the only time I felt that way about Metroidvanias in the past where I'm like, OK, you know, I've got this. I, I, I'm successful. I've seen the game through and I'm ready for it to be over. Not in a bad way, but. Uh, I've enjoyed my time, uh, but it's still six areas. You know, I completed about 15 hours and that's with me being a pretty hyper completionist. Uh, the game, when I completed it, it in the credits, it, it tells you your percentage of completion. It was hundred percent. So nice. <laughs> I saw nice. the entirety of this game. Um, and I, I definitely loved it still. Um, I love, uh, just like I said before in 19, I love the pixel art and it's one of my favorite Metroidvania experiences. Um, and the end boss battle, uh, and the end area, despite feeling a little long to me by that point was still satisfying. Uh, the last boss battle in particular was a lot of fun too. And, um, uh, I was definitely feeling uh, happy and nostalgic when, you know, I could tell, Oh, this is the end of the game cutscene, And the, the credits started rolling. I'm like, all right, that was a good game. I'm, I'm happy. I spent the time on this. So yeah, chasm's great. Yeah, you've got me excited to to finish this one off. I I have not played since we talked about it last, or at least not much. I might I might have played once or twice more. There's been a few other games of, that have come out. You can uh, <laughs> yeah, just suck some of my that. attention away at at uh, you know yeah. Once I picked up Zelda, and, oh yeah, and got hooked on Kingdom. You know, I, like I said, I can't put that game down. Right. But uh, but yeah, Chasm is just a lot of fun and and it just. Is. You know, like, like I guess kind of like what we were talking about with Link's Awakening a little bit. It sounds like this game maybe struggles with a little bit of like that momentum issue. Like when it gets just a little too long, like cut one of those zones yeah. out of there. Yep. And like, just let me keep feeling like I'm just plowing along, plowing along. And now it's the game's reached its climax and, yep. and let it happen, you know, instead of making it feel like you have to. Yeah stretch it a little further you know right yeah I, I had already felt yeah probably 10 hours in that i had gotten my money's worth and i was happy with the experience and there was there was more game which is fine but yeah it, it, it for me it could have ended a little bit sooner but that still on the overall experience does not take away from what that game is and uh, you know, me seeing it through and completing it says a lot because that just really still does not happen that often <laughs> for me. <laughs> so that yeah. that's that should be saying a lot if you know my my gaming habits. So definitely recommend folks check out Chasm. Yeah, I, I echo that sentiment as well. Like again, like we did on episode nineteen, and uh, looking forward to, to seeing this through. And I'm kind of curious to see that last boss battle because uh, yeah, it, it's it's curious to me how like uh, the the last boss I fought in the game was uh, that big like uh, Titan or that big like Olmec looking thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciated that boss battle because it did. That was the first time I felt like I was really like put to a challenge with my combat skills. Right. Like to to us where I was like I was having to do like a little slide move to get out of the way and jump out of the way. A lot, a lot of more dodging than I was typically doing and a little right. more twitchy. And otherwise, like, you know, this game does keep the combat mechanics pretty much stay the same, you know, other than you get some different weapons and whatnot. But it, but it's did you feel like that was getting stale by then? Was that maybe part of why it 
you know, because the, the mechanic, like like Celeste or something like that, you know, each level is like throwing a new twist right. into the mix where this was just kind of like a new zone with a new theme and new cool music. And again, I, I was really sucked into this setting, so I don't mean that to sound like a slight per right. se, but it wasn't like the new zone was also throwing a new gameplay element at you, just some new enemies and whatnot. Yeah, and, and the new zone was, the, the new zone or last zone, as it were, was it definitely harder um and required a little bit more uh, uh of kind of map monitoring to figure out where you needed to go to kind of warp around the zone it wasn't quite as straightforward as some of the other zones which also took a little bit more time um which was fine you know i expected the last zone to be difficult but yeah it didn't necessarily add any new gameplay element per se uh in it and this game is definitely i would say even though there's a decent amount of combat with regular enemies it's more focused on the platforming and exploration than it is on combat necessarily yeah agreed yeah um but that was fine too and in the bosses definitely take that into account where it's you know you're using your your platforming skills and uh you're hoping that you've upgraded your your magic sub weapons and whatever else so that you can uh take on this boss that you know might need you to hit it uh higher above than your regular weapon might normally be able to hit or whatever else so um there's factors like that involved with the the final battle and and some of the other boss battles in general i'd say but uh okay yeah cool yeah i'm excited to finish this one up it's a good time chasm awesome great. awesome well, uh, DJ, I know you've been playing a couple of games, and I know we had a couple a couple weeks off. So uh, I guess what you're here. I had last a little week, vacation. But... <laughs> <laughs> Play more games. Exactly, exactly. And I guess uh, why don't you start us off with a little cereal cleaner, which is one that uh, caught my eye a few times on the eShop, just having a yeah, super talked cheap some price shit tag about it on an <laughs> earlier episode of the podcast. <laughs> no, I took that out. I cut that out. Oh. <laughs> I clearly listen back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as uh, the audience may not have heard, we had we had a little little discussion about the uh, the violence in a game such as Serial Cleaner. Serial Cleaner is a game where you're this man who gets hired by murderers to basically clean up the crime scenes (laughs) that they create. so there, we we had a little dis- discussion about you know the the bloodiness and violence that's in games and you know what level is you know what level adds to the game what level of violence will take away from a game etc. But you know after playing through this game, um, you know this this game is pretty dope. I don't know. I, I watched <laughs> you play like a level or two, and it actually. Seeing it in action, it definitely presents that violence in a much more lighthearted or maybe not lighthearted is not the right word, but a less serious tone. You know, it has like a 70s, like funky music vibe and like almost like a paper mache kind of or like construction paper kind of, you know, it's not it's not super realistic looking violence, you know. Yeah. And and I'd say that the um you know, you yourself are never committing any violence. You know, you're just, you know, going through these levels, trying to avoid the cops that are investigating the scene and you're just trying to, you know, pick up all the evidence and get rid of it. So you're just being a creeper. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there is, you know, dead bodies you'll find and some blood there and you'll actually have to like vacuum or mop up some of the blood. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but you know, even that is like kind of presented in a somewhat lighthearted manner. And, 
Um, again, like there's a, you know, jazzy music going on in the background that definitely, you know, detracts from, you know, any serious tones you could possibly, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like really imagine. upbeat and fun. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, in addition to that, I really appreciate like just some finer touches that this game throws in that, you know, make for a good user experience. Like, um, you know, normally, uh, when you're going through the level cameras focused on you, you can't see the entire level. Like you'll have to scroll through the level as you move, but, and this is like top down yeah, perspective, top down perspective. Um, and however, uh, you can press a button to, uh, you know, do a little zoom out and see the full level uh in in real time so as you know guards are moving around you'll see their movement but in addition any uh you know significant parts of the level whether it be like piece of evidence a dead body you know is something you can use to create sound to distract the guards like all the main parts of the level that you can interact with they're all you know, highlighted specific colors. That's nice. You know, when you go into the zoom out mode, everything by default is like black and white, but like, you know, all the things you need to collect and or get rid of are like labeled red and like, you know, big things that you can move that, you know, kind of disrupt the guards um, patrol patterns will be in yellow or something like that. So everything's very intuitively laid out. Nice. And even uh, with the guards themselves, uh, you can see very clearly what their line of sight is. So, you know, like, okay, I'm safe if I'm here. Um, yeah, they have like a nice cone of like, cone, yeah, literally right. cone of vision that like, if you're within this, you're seen. If you're not, you're in the clear. Yeah. So, I don't know, just having little, little polish like that, it, it, something I really appreciate. And, you know, the game itself is pretty fun. Like, you know, it's, stealth game just going around dodging guards if, if they see you you can even you know have a little chance to escape you could just hide in a plant and they'll like if you find a hiding spot they just completely are unable to find you which is also kind of hilarious <laughs> like, they've been chasing you you go into a, like a, a plant and they're, they're like oh, okay he's gone he's gone i guess it was yeah. in my head he's just yeah. a plant yeah. Well, that's another nice little touch, too, is like when you're exiting a plant or a hiding spot, like it actually shows you the cursor of like where you're going to exit. You can kind of pick, am I going to leave above or below or to the left, to the right? Right. Yeah. So they do everything they can to make sure you have any information that you need to complete this task. That's cool. So, yeah. Nothing. Nothing is unclear in this game it is very very well laid out and had a nice time playing it and there's even you know after i beat it realized there's some bonus levels that i can go back and do so nice it's pumped to do that so you know wasn't there an element i think we were talking about this a little bit earlier and wasn't didn't you say there's an element like the levels themselves are constructed but like the the where the bodies are the evidence will all be different every time you play yeah so Ah. all those significant parts of the level except for the guards themselves i believe um all, all those pieces that you can interact with are somewhat randomized so you know you won't they won't always be in the same location which is nice because i don't want to you know if i fail i don't want to feel like i'm just going through the motions and 
yeah, now I memorize this yeah. part, this part of the path, and I just am perfecting it each time further and further. It really does let you play it like in a more reactionary yeah. kind of way. Yeah, That's I, cool. I just I never feel good about completing something after I've memorized it. Right, I feel like it's I don't I don't feel like I won the game as legitimately. What about Silver Surfer? It's an ego issue. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was that was just twitch reactions for me <laughs> one try everything, everything changes in that game <laughs> nothing's the same the first roguelike there you go oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i as as you know i was the one who initially brought up the conversation about like you know i kind of am curious about this serial cleaner game but it's you know i just don't I wish I was just playing a regular janitor that was just cleaning up after the high schoolers, you know, ever making a mess after the football game instead of cleaning <laughs> up a murder spree. But uh, but after seeing it in action and seeing like the presentation and seeing like and hearing you mention all these different UI, like just things that make the game really friendly for the user. And uh, again, I'm a sucker for a, for a stealth game. So this actually is more up my alley than I initially thought for sure. Same. Heck yeah. Didn't mean to throw you under the bus there, Kevin. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm more than happy to take but it. I'll clean up the body. There you go. <laughs> He's been trained. Well, hopefully you can maybe take this uh, character from Serial Cleaner oh, and clean geez. some of the bodies out of your way in uh, Darkest Dungeon, Dude. which is another game that I know you've been spending a ton of time on. And uh, another game, another strategy game that apparently, yeah, we need to rebrand this podcast. Yeah, we do. So <laughs> we're not talking about pixels anymore. No. Um, but anyways, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit? Cause this is a game that I think has been on, I think all of our minds. I mean, it's a game that kind of blew up a year or two ago ish, I guess. Yeah. yeah our, our, our buddy Glenn has been telling us a lot about this and you know, it, it, it really is a difficult, but like engaging game. Um, it's a turn-based RPG and, uh, Basically, you're trying to uh, train this party to get strong enough to eventually, you know, go through this darkest dungeon and defeat the evil that's in there. But uh, there is just so much shit (laughs) that wrecks your life. So to, you know, get your party strong enough so they can, you know, take on this darkest dungeon, uh, you need to you know, have them go through a series of smaller dungeons to build up their strength, complete quests and whatnot. Um, So the way those dungeons are laid out is you'll have a set of rooms that you'll go between. And then there will be a hallway that has maybe some loot, maybe some traps. Uh, There could be any sort of obstacles between the different rooms you're going through in a dungeon. Uh, when you're going through a dungeon, you have specific objectives you're trying to accomplish, like, uh, you know, explore certain percentage of the rooms or complete a certain amount of room battles or find these, you know, different items throughout the dungeon. You don't know where they are. You're just going to have to go and hope you find them. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, and then when you get into battles, uh, you have your four characters that you bring into the dungeon. Um, you're, you have a roster 
of characters that, you know, can be, you know, more than 10. But for any dungeon you're in, you can only take four of those characters with you to complete a quest. Um, But each of those characters has a certain position that they're in. Um, So, you know, one character's in the front, one character's in the back. And that matters because uh, everyone's uh moves can only be performed in certain positions and you know in terms of which enemies they can attack they can only attack enemies that are in certain positions so there's really a lot of planning that has to go into that and i'm into uh, that that sounds awesome and there's uh you know the big factor in this game uh is all characters will experience stress um when they're attacked um, when they run into traps, uh, etc., and stress really fucks you up. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like—is this like a separate bar beyond like your health bar? Yeah, it's it's the one that's like pretty much right next to your health bar. Okay. Um, so uh, if your stress meter uh, gets uh, filled, gets halfway filled, actually, um, then your character will take on some, you know, negative qualities. Um, there, there is the rare occasion where you'll have a character that responds to stress in a positive way and maybe they'll become more powerful or whatnot. But right. there's like a, I don't know, it's, it's like less than 10% of the time it feels like that that's the case. It's if if your character gets stressed, they're going to start, you know, fucking things up. Um, and, and they'll do things like, you know, they may skip their turn. Oh. They may attack one of your characters during their turn. <laughs> oh, stuff no. like that. Um, so it, and it's, it's completely random. Um, and not only that, uh, they may take on these negative qualities beyond the dungeon and they could you know be in uh you know dungeons later on that may have you know certain permanent negative qualities um but if you fill the stress meter completely uh your character will have a heart attack and when that happens they go down to zero health um Now, with this game, if you get down to zero health, that doesn't necessarily mean that the character dies. Uh, And in this game, there's permadeath. So, you know, you lose character, they're gone. Um, They're technically on death's door. And so, you know, if they have zero health and they get attacked again, there's a chance that they'll die. They likely will die uh, every character has like a certain amount of like death blow resistance. So like, you know, they may get hit again and still withstand it. Right. Um, but you know, having that heart attack gets you immediately to that zero health point. So you're, you're kind of fucked. And, uh, your at that point, your stress goes down a little bit, but that means it can go back up and get refilled and you can have another heart attack. No. <laughs> <laughs> So just compounding as you as things start to crumble, it's just like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, you know, you can get to a point where it's just like, I may not even complete this quest. We just need to fucking bail. Um, (laughs) And you can do that. 
But when you do that, your your characters take on stress when they return to the town. <laughs> and you're not able to do anything in, like, your base or town to, like, try to get people back to normal or to let so them in the rest. town so so the stress uh is you know permanent between permanent it, it carries on you know if you go back to base or go to another um go to another dungeon you, the only way to you know the way you take it down is when you're in the base you can you know take them to the send certain characters to the bar and like have them gamble or drink beer or like send them to the send them to the chapel and you know have them have them talk to god um but but when they're doing that they're they're out of play so you can't take them on the next mission so you have to make sure that your backup squad you know the characters you have left or would be able to take on a mission is everyone um, gaining experience at the same level in this process no some okay. i I've, I've gone through some missions where certain characters are leveling up more than others right or at different rates so there there are small differences to you know how they're leveling up but um you know back in the base you can upgrade uh you know your weapons armor you can upgrade your abilities oh nice. um, you can you know when you're in the base, you can recruit more people into your roster. Nice. Uh, it, there's there's a lot you can do, and there are certain um, what are they called heirlooms uh, that you find, you know, throughout the dungeons that are used as your currency for these sorts of upgrades in your base. Okay. Um, there there is gold as well that is used for upgrading. Um, so the you know to to upgrade your facilities requires the heirlooms um you know sending someone to the bar is just like give give them a thousand golds or something like that um so there are there are different resources that do different things um and and i guess this gets into you know a a difference between serial cleaner and darkest dungeon um not that there aren't already a ton of differences but um (laughs) you know i was saying serial cleaner everything is very clear uh to the the player i think with darkest dungeon although they although they do a good job of like you know saying what everything sort of means like what your stress means or um you know whatnot like it it almost felt like I was being presented with too much information at once to be able to properly absorb it. Oh wow! And there's the and there's almost too many things to be juggling, uh, which which isn't isn't a flaw. I think it feeds into like this theme of like just despair that I think <laughs> the game is trying to evoke um, because. Uh, guess what? I'm I'm trying to play this on its hardest difficulty. <laughs> Where uh, if you lose a certain amount of characters, if a certain amount of characters die, or uh, if you don't, you know, finish the darkest dungeon after you know a certain amount of time, you get a game over. Uh, and so I have I have many a time lost just way too many people and just had to start back from square one. Um, 
and you've got no persistent upgrades like you're not doing nope. anything like dead cells where you're like collecting some nope. kind of currency and <laughs> chipping away you start over okay start all the way over kingdom style well new land style new land yes sir <laughs> um and and you know i i'd like to beat this game and i'm certainly hooked like i've put in many hours despite having to go back and restart <laughs> um but it's just like oh, like i can't i now that i've already been playing on hard i can't go i can't go to normal which is me just being stubborn but <laughs> i can see that although though. i i will say though i i might be misremembering this because i i've not played the game myself but i do think that hard mode because this is a game that was in early access for a really long time and I think I recall some of those features that were added in hard. I, I, I just feel like I remember reading at some point that they were like, this is the way we wanted to design the game. Enough people were like mad about the way they changed things from early access to this like thing that they added that they were like, OK, we're going to leave a normal mode that like this will be the way you can play if you don't want that feature. But like we want to add that feature to the game. So we're going to have that in the hard mode or whatever. I, I just vaguely remember something like that. I mean, just based on how, like, the tone of the game, it feels like the these stipulations are in line with what the game is. Right. So. Meant to be punishing, seemingly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, you know, even though you, you start back from square one, like, there's, there's a lot of variety, um, you know, in different playthroughs, just because uh, the, there's, like, there's, like, 15 ish types of characters that you can have and you can have nice. multiple characters of the same type in your roster nice um but like you know what uh what characters become available to you um is pretty random so in certain run-throughs you know you could get you know the crusader and the hound master uh, as options for you in a given week uh or in others you may get the the jester or the healer or whatnot so uh and they all have like very unique play styles so that's cool it forces you to play differently in each run oh yeah yeah you are somewhat at the mercy of like what the game gives you right and you have to learn to adapt so uh again not not uh not there's no risk of like oh i'm just gonna memorize this right like <laughs> nah Nah, you don't know shit. <laughs> so yeah. there's a, and I feel like I've barely even, uh, I, I, I feel like I haven't even gotten that far. Cause like, so you have to get to like your, you, you need a party that's at like level six to, you know, take on the final, uh, the, the darkest dungeon. I've gotten my characters up to, you know, no higher than level three. Jeez. Um, <laughs> And, like, you know, it's cool, like, once they start leveling up, like, you feel like they are, like, okay, these guys are beef, they're strong, they can they can handle anything. Once you get them, you know, to a certain level, like, once they get to level three, they'll, you can't take them on the missions that you've been taking them on, because they're like, oh, this isn't a challenge anymore. And so now they'll only do harder quests. So they're all just, just like, little oh, DJs. <laughs> yeah uh it's like they're they're you know even though they've been you know leveling up the dif the difficulty is scaled so they're essentially just as weak as they were when they started jeez it's just 
Now, how do you feel about like the I know you mentioned a lot of like variety as far as the gameplay, but one of the things that's a little I don't want to say off putting, but I'm just not super into like the visual style. But are you feeling like there's like any kind of variety? Because every like screenshot and everything I see of this game, like it always just looks the same. I You know, it's just kind of got that like harsh like that almost like graphic novel yeah. harsh like black like or i shouldn't say harsh but like bold black outlines um almost like a stained glass kind of look to it but without much color to it yeah uh that that is how it looks and it doesn't really deviate from that from what i've seen so far but like it it seems that all the quests take place in the same general areas and those general areas all have their own certain look yeah but i mean it it's not meant to be pretty yeah yeah i guess i guess that's just i'm just it's another one of those like i think i've mentioned again on the podcast before i'm just not a big fan of that like really bold outline characters again it has like a i don't i don't mean this to sound as a slight but it has like that like flash animation style like the games give me that little bit of that feel something about it and i don't know what it is about certain games that remind me of flash animation because sometimes they're they don't necessarily look like that per se but i just i just that's something that's definitely been a reason i've not explored this game even though i've heard a lot of great things about it i'm just like i don't really like the presentation well <laughs> <laughs> well one one thing i uh neglected to mention is as you're going through these dungeons you know you have your torch that you know, you know, sheds light on the area and, you know, helps, uh, you know, the more light you, uh, Jesus Christ, the, the more torches you add, the, the brighter it becomes. And, you know, the, the less challenging the battles are and the more, um, mentally resilient your party becomes. But, uh, at the same time, if you have, uh, if you have the lights go out and you don't refuel the torches, uh, if you find any loot, it becomes better. Uh, huh. So, but you are risking if you run into enemies, you are doing an uphill battle. So right. there is some of that risk reward. Oh yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I try to plot out like, okay, like if I go this way, there's going to be some loot potentially over here, and I don't think I'm going to run into these people so maybe i'll risk letting the torch run out just so i can get better stuff but sometimes you get surprised sometimes you get ambushed and sometimes you have to start the game over (laughs) does that have enough does that have an effect in the battles too if you don't have your torches or is that only in regards to the loot you find no it the um the if, if you don't have uh you know much torch light while you're in a battle like the enemies will get buffs like you know their attacks will be more accurate and they'll do more damage and stuff like that jeez or they'll cause more stress to your character stuff like that so there's just a lot of elements that are built to work against you in this game <laughs> yeah it sounds like you got to do a lot of managing of like you know what is the most what is the biggest risk to my party or my characters right now? And what, how can I mitigate that? Or how can I negotiate around that? Right. 
Um, yeah, it seems like a lot of it's just meant to be kind of punishing and imposing just as a theme. Like even when you're talking about the experience levels, like, oh yeah, when you get up to level six, like you're a powerhouse, like that's such a small <laughs> level compared to most <laughs> games. And I'm sure that's a yeah. conscious choice on their part, right? Like to say like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm level be. three, like, no, you're not level 30, you're level three. Like yeah. that's, you got to work your way uphill this whole game. That's a good point. Yeah. It's just like you're scratching and clawing your way just to just to get up one level right that's yeah. interesting i'll never do it <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna put some more time in this and uh hopefully have some better results or at least you know make it closer to the end and have something maybe new to report so nice yeah but i do encourage you to check it out if you can look past the uh the the graphics but my point in uh bringing my original reason for bringing up the torches you know just let that light go out and you can't see anything oh god <laughs> visuals won't matter Kevin. there you go kevin <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> well yeah dj yeah, i'm definitely excited to hear more about darkest dungeon in the coming month and i guess another game that kind of uh throws some curveballs at you and makes you kind of roll with the punches that we're going to be playing throughout the course of october uh, is going to be cave blazers a totally different style of game but uh you know 2d action roguelike that kind of makes you just go with you know the different items you get and different different power-ups and different buffs you just kind of kind of have to adjust your play style as you go as well so excited to talk some more about that one here's some more about darkest dungeon and uh yeah i guess that's it for this week uh thanks for listening to pursuing pixels and uh we'll catch you next week see ya bye bye take care Well, uh, well, from one game that that kind of forces you to uh, just kind of I shouldn't say from one game to another, but I guess for the God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> transitions are bullshit. From one God damn it to another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was quick. Nicely done. Thank you. Should Nicely be the name done. of the episode. Yeah, I have a lot of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that was that was well even quicker than yeah even quicker than I was gonna try to make the connection to Cave Blazers, but then I was like, but wait, we're not talking about Cave no, Blazers. Maybe. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, wondering like, what not... other game do we have to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> what am I not prepared to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> this is the game of the month episode for Cave Blazers. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk Cave Blazers. So I'm screwed.